Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brent Bow, and myself continue our discussion on the Fourth Commandment and what it prohibits. Welcome to the Being Lutheran podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm joined with two Pastor, guys today. Yeah, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brian Rickey. <laughs> All right, it's great to see you guys and great to keep talking about the fourth commandment as we uh, get going here again uh, today and this podcast. And uh, so I, I think as we get into looking at, at a, a scriptural passage that um, emphasizes or highlights um, an aspect of the commandment, like to just start by rereading the fourth commandment for us as we get going on that. And so uh, here, it, here it is. So what is the fourth commandment? You shall honor your father and your mother, that it may be well with you, and you may live long upon the earth. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we may not despise or anger our parents and masters, but give them honor, serve them, obey them, and hold them in love and esteem. So this gets us back to the raw teaching of the commandments that we've been on. We've, Like I said, this is a transition point in the teaching of the commandments. We've gotten some big ideas out of the way. But now returning to our mm-hmm. pattern with the, t- the, with the Ten Commandments and looking at each one of the commandments prohibits and promotes. Prohibits and promotes. And so the fourth commandment is promoting order mm-hmm. uh, and authority. And the fourth commandment is prohibiting anarchy, which is what we're looking at today, a, uh, a disorder, a mm-hmm. you know, subverting of order and authority. Sure. So hold on a second. Now I'll play the, I'll pretend I'm just a regular person listening to this, not a pastor. And uh, how, how can you get to authority and anarchy from talking about honoring your father and mother? Can you explain the connection there a little, a little more? Yeah, what we talked about in the, the first two episodes on this commandment was simply this, is that in honoring our father and mother, when, when God issues the commandments, he's not doing something arbitrary so he can get an objective grade to see how we're doing. He's reflecting, he's revealing, he's showing his character to us. And so we would recognize simply by reading scripture that God is our father. Mm-hmm. And as our father, he's occupying a certain role in our life. He's occupying a uh, creator role and an authority role. The, this is the first uh, article of the creed that I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth. God, the father is our creator. God, the father is our authority. Now in uh, the temporal life that we live here on earth, God transfers or hides himself behind the authority first and foremost of our parents Mm -hmm. uh, because the the nuclear family structure God has instituted to be the basis of society. And then as society expands out from the family, that authority is entrusted to our uh, our governmental authorities, the, you know, however you want to expand this, mayor, Mm -hmm. governor, Congress, and legislators, and ultimately in America, it's the president. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. No, I, I just wanted to make sure that, that we had that on record uh, just to see, because um, I, I can imagine maybe some might say, well, are you guys getting off the off kilter here? Or are you going beyond the intended meaning of the commandment? But thank you for, for sharing that. Well, and it's the, this idea too, we've talked in the previous commandments are how there's always this 
oversimplified Christian gloss right. to obeying the commandment. Uh, that you shall have no other gods before me is don't have statues of idols in your house. You shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You should not say OMG. You know, mm-hmm. you should remember the Sabbath day. Don't do anything on Sunday except go to church. Uh, it, it seems like the Christian gloss for the fourth commandment is, yes, mom. Yes, dad. <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. And, and again, it's always a part of that. Mm-hmm. All of those other things are good. We should sure. be resting good. Uh, on the Lord's Day. We should be, uh, you know, treating God's name with respect. We mm-hmm. should be not worshiping other things. But there's more to it than that. Right. And this, there's more to it than simply doing what your parents tell you to do. There's a principle at play here, mm-hmm. and it's the authority of God as good. our creator. Good. I like that. I like to... It's not simplified, but you can expand it and appreciate that point today. So let's let's look at the scripture before us. Is it appropriate to read that at this point? Yeah, um, we're going to look at Rome or not Romans. My goodness, everything's <laughs> Romans for me. Right. Uh, we're yeah. going to look at Numbers sixteen. Uh, we really want to be focusing on the entire chapter, but because uh, it's a twenty-minute podcast usually, mm-hmm. and uh, number sixteen has fifty verses, mm-hmm. we're going to distill it down to the first eleven verses. Okay, good. So I will read that for us here. Numbers sixteen. 1 through 11, and you can follow along in your Bible at home as you listen or as you're driving or whatever you're doing, riding your lawnmower. Yeah, I don't know. That's the stuff I do when I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. You you read when you drive? That's what you do? <laughs> We're going to have an intervention yeah. with Brett after the uh, episode is done. Yeah, uh, don't tell the police officer. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I put qualifiers at the end of the beginning of this podcast. Right, yeah. The views of Brett Bow do not necessarily yeah. express the views of the Being Loser podcast. Or even the law. All right. Okay, well, I'm going to read scripture now. Uh, Numbers 16, 1 through 11, it says this. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi... And Dathan of Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with a number of the people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation, chosen from the assembly well-known men. They assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said to them, You have gone too far, for all in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? When Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he said to Korah and all his company, In the morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will bring him near to him. The one whom he chooses he will bring near to him. Do this, take censers, Korah and all his company, put fire in them, and put incense on them before the Lord tomorrow. And the man whom the Lord chooses chooses shall be the holy one. You have gone too far, sons of Levi. And Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it too small a thing for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do service in the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister to them? And that he has brought you near him, and all your brothers and the sons of Levi with you. And would you seek the priesthood also? Therefore it is against the Lord that you and all your company have gathered together. What is Aaron that you grumble against him? Here ends the reading of God's word. Amen and amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah, so what's going on in this passage, Jason? 
Well, the Israelites, uh, according to the records of the Pentateuch, are doing what they do best, and that is grumbling against whatever their present situation is depriving them of in their felt needs. Uh, That's a very cynical way of looking at it, but if you follow the history of Israel, especially after the Exodus, you've got the 10 plagues, the incredibly miraculous 10 plagues that didn't affect the Israelites in Egypt at all. Uh, Pharaoh um, relents, lets them leave, uh, and then changes his mind, and then you have the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, And then Exodus 15 is really where all of this starts to coalesce and come together because you have this victorious song. You know, we've got the campfire song, the horse and the rider that comes from (laughs) that and whatever. But immediately after singing the song of victory for defeating the army of Egypt and for crossing the Red Sea, the first thing we find the Israelites doing in the desert is grumbling. Mm -hmm. Did God take us out to the desert to kill us? And first it's water, and then there's food, and then now we've come into numbers and it's status. Mm-hmm. And, and lest in my cynicism we think we're lobbing grenades at the Israelites and not doing any self-examination, the Israelites in the wilderness are perfect examples of us in our lives as sinners in our relationship with God. Because it's basically like saying, oh, God's salvation isn't enough. Mm-hmm. I want more. Yeah. You know, it's this this selfishness of, oh, Jesus dying on the cross for me and, and raising from the dead and pouring out this great salvation through the ministering power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's not enough. I need more. Mm-hmm. It's really the attitude of what have you done for me lately, mm-hmm. which is exactly how we, even as Christians in our sinful nature, are relating to God. Because as soon as something bad happens to us, as soon as we suffer, it's the, well, woe is me. Why have you abandoned me, God? Where are you, God? So on and so forth. And I don't mean to minimize suffering, Mm -hmm. but I do mean to attack the attitude that would think that God suddenly and capriciously changes his mind uh, in regard to his grace and mercy. And that when we suffer, he just no longer loves us. Mm -hmm. Because both as children and as parents, we can fall into this trap. Why is this happening to me? And, you know, Mm -hmm. Peter reminds us, don't be surprised when these things happen. It's not like it's not happening to your brother's and sisters around the world. Yeah. And so, you know, bring it back to Dathan and Korah, what happens is Moses and Aaron are the leaders of the congregation of Israel, even as they wander in the wilderness and, and you know, as they have left uh, Egypt, as they carve out their own identities as a nation. And, you know, basically say, hey, that looks pretty cool. You know, why can't we do that? And they say, hey, everyone is holy. All in the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among us all. Who are you that you are so special to be called our leaders? Mm-hmm. And this is the you know thing that illustrates anarchy, that mm-hmm. disorder and discord is what the commandment is prohibiting. Mm-hmm. In a more subtle way in the gospel, it's kind of like the rich young ruler, you know, keep all these commandments, and he responded to Jesus, I do, I keep all of them. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? It's a lack of awareness, uh, and it's a lack of really acknowledging God. And, and mm-hmm. what we're trying to get to at the heart of breaking this commandment is that it goes back to not honoring God for his position. When we do not honor the authorities that God has placed over right. us in our lives, be it parents mm-hmm. or governmental authorities or bosses at work, or whatever station you're looking at in your life, when we fail to honor them, what we're really doing is we're failing to honor God. And Mm -hmm. that's what gets us the key quote here uh, where verse 11 says, Therefore it is against the Lord that you Mm -hmm. and all your company have gathered together. 
The rebellion isn't against Moses and Aaron. In fact, Moses multiple times tries to dump off the responsibility of leading the Israelites. He tries to do it even before he starts, Exodus 3 and 4, send someone else, send someone else. And then repeatedly, when when the congregation rebels, it's like, why have you entrusted me with these people, God? They keep rebelling. Uh, But the repeated thing is you are rebelling against the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that is what illustrates sin in our lives as we break the commandments. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so ironic that uh, he would say here, why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord in saying that to Moses? And it hasn't been Moses that has exalted himself. It's been God. Is God has been the one that has exalted Moses to that uh, position. And you see Moses' humility in his response to this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Moses' humility and what we fail to notice is, first of all, the very thing Dathan and Abiram and Korah are doing is the thing they're accused of accusing Moses and Aaron of doing because they want to exalt themselves over the congregation. That's what they're jealous. They're not jealous that not everyone has been exalted, even though that's the pretense. They're jealous that they haven't been Mm -hmm. exalted. So that's part of it. And what they fail to realize and what we see with Moses in his humility, God has exalted him. So it's the office, not the person. Mm -hmm. And as a result, Moses is held more highly accountable Mm -hmm. than anyone else's. Moses doesn't get to go to the promised land because he tapped the rock too many times. Mm-hmm. You know, as a leader, he disobeyed God in doing exactly what God wanted him to do to demonstrate power. And Moses, you know, had that moment of frustration. And that's why he doesn't get to go into the promised land. We, we mm-hmm. fail to recognize that those who are called to positions of leadership are held by Scripture according to God's word mm-hmm. to a higher standard. And we want the prestige. We want the honor. We want the glory. We want the fame. We don't want the responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's such a good sobering reminder as parents of the privilege that God has entrusted to us, the children he's given to us mm-hmm. to raise them in a way that glorifies him. And as we as three pastors mm-hmm. sitting here, the accountability that we're going to have yep. with how we present the gospel in our own ministry. Well, and it's a great reminder to us as pastors and to people who are church members mm-hmm. listening It's not about glory or prestige or ego or fame being a pastor. We have this concept from Scripture, servant leadership, that, Mm -hmm. again, the position is designed to point people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And and I'm only a leader insofar as I'm taking people to the gospel. I'm taking people to be reconciled to Christ, to be forgiven, and then to go out and live lives Mm -hmm. as Christians in light of that gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen to that. And, uh, you know, when I hear... When I hear these guys here in in Korah and the rebellion, you almost hear a, a, a kid saying this to a parent, like, "Who are you to tell me what to do?" Right? That's the that's the thing that echoes in my mind. I remember this thing my mom and dad had on their had on their refrigerator, and we had just I had just turned thirteen. It said, "Teenagers leave home now while you still know everything." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and and if I had a dollar for every time I told my parents as a teenager, "When I'm a dad, I'm gonna do this," you know, and all these things, and my parents would just you know most of the time roll their eyes and laugh at me and yeah. said, "If you." only knew kind of stuff, right? right. Uh, but the, the bigger picture here, and, and you know, not to be frivolous with all of mm-hmm. this, is sin is 
really graphically illustrated because this rebellion, you know, mm-hmm. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram pay with their lives yeah, and the right. lives of their families yep. for this rebellion. You know, this is a real historical situation, but it illustrates for us that all sin ends in death. All sin kills, and, and this is why it's the importance of the gospel, importance of knowing how the law functions in our lives so that we can be healed, forgiven, and raised to life with the gospel. Mm-hmm. You bring up a really good point. It's about usurping authority, authority that's been placed mm-hmm. by God or even an ordained order like in marriage. I think mm-hmm. there is a lot of marriages where I counsel people where in a sense the women are usurping the authority that God has really placed in the hands of the men mm-hmm. to be the spiritual leaders of the home. And that gets backwards sometimes. And I know that under, I understand that some men won't rise to that challenge. Mm-hmm. But women, to try to do everything they can to foster and nurture them to step into that role and not hinder them or emasculate them in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. And since you brought it back into the realm of the family, this provides an excellent opportunity, even looking back at Korah and Dathan and Abiram, mm-hmm. this is about the position, this is about the office, and this is not about the valuation of the individual. You yeah. know, you brought into the family, we talk about the roles of husband and wife or the roles of parent. Uh, the husband is given uh, spiritual leadership in the household, not because he's a more valuable yeah, or ex- more complete person, exactly. but because this is how God has designed it to be. This right. is a reflection yep. of his character in the same way the argument of ordination of women versus ordination of men. It's not that women can't be pastors or are incapable of being pastors. It's This is what scripture has laid mm-hmm. out uh, where this is a role. Yeah, This is a role that is filled. And so in the same way, when we turn it around and we look at obeying the fourth commandment, we are respecting first and foremost the office that God has instituted. Mm-hmm. And then that respect is transferred to the person filling the office so that we're not constantly evaluating that person's character before we give the honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as part of this, this concept that God desires things to be done decently and in order, and there's a structure and there's... And that structure is meant to be a blessing to everybody involved. You know, and that submission of God's ordained order in the family and with children and everything is really a way that we can honor Christ because it is about, and of course, this is all in the power of God's grace. It's not anything we bring to the table, but it is about submitting to God's design. And that's where, honestly, God's blessings, and I'm not talking about earthly, worldly blessings. I'm talking about spiritual and eternal blessings that are brought onto your family. Seeing your children grow up and honoring the Lord and living for the Lord and and being better than you were, in a sense. You know, training your children to be disciples of Christ, to be constant learners, to be have a hunger and a thirst for God's holy word and to seek out Christ. But, but to rewind a little bit, let's not ignore the material blessings we receive from part of that. When exactly. we have discord in our families, when we have mm-hmm. uh, things like that, it's because the created hoarder has broken down. And yeah. so, you know, we, we look at the great misfortune of single pam- family homes mm-hmm. and the, the effects mm-hmm. of divorce. Well, one of the realities of that is that a single mother does not have the earning capacity exactly. that a two-parent family have. And there are... Uh, they're not as able to provide for their families just because of the situation. Now that, again, not a valuation statement. It's an acknowledgement of reality. So God's whole created order breaks down when there's sin, and it breaks down specifically here when when anarchy reigns. And so, you know, this is confessing to us God is a God of order. We see that in Genesis one and two. He creates things with order. We have science today 
because God is an orderly God. You know, mm. we should expect that science functions in creation because, you know, God has ordered the various systems of the human body to give us life. God has ordered the various systems of creation to, that the world functions in a specific way for life. And it just so happens that life is such a fragile thing. Mm -hmm. If any of these systems broke down, there's no life. Look at Mars, mm -hmm. look at the moon, look at Venus, you know, that's how it works. And so God is a God of order and he expects and commands us to honor that order. Mm -hmm. So what's the what happens to Korah and, and these guys here in this rebellion? Uh, they get swallowed up by an earthquake. That's yeah, the short right. of it. Uh, you know, there's there's kind of some showy pageantry ceremony going on, not to discount the spiritual value of what's going on, but in the end, they're gathered in front of their tents, mm -hmm. and Moses calls them out in God's name and says, you guys have rebelled in the ground swallows them up mm -hmm. as an example to the rest of the congregation. Again, this is real world historical things. And it's, you know, we mourn mm -hmm. that, you know, families are affected by this. But the principles it teaches us now when we can't do anything about it anyway, is that our sin has consequences. Mm -hmm. A disorderly family is going to be producing disorderly children. And even though that principle obviously applies to any sort of rebellion, whether it be in the family mm -hmm. or whatever, but in this case, this is specifically placing yourself in the place of judgment in God's predetermined plan of salvation that was brought through, you know, the, the nation of Israel. And as these, these sons and this family put themselves in that place of judgment, that's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place because, again, all sin is idolatry. Yeah. All sin is confessing, I can do this better than God can do this. And when we have such a clear, specific word of God about authority, about roles, and about responsibilities, sometimes it might not make sense to us. When we do that, bring your objections to God. Cry out to him. We see that constantly happening in the Psalms. We see that happening in the entire book of Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. is Habakkuk crying out, God, how could you use these ungodly, godless Babylonians to carry away the Israelites, your children? Well, cry out to God and, you know, trust that he is merciful and gracious as he's revealed himself to be, because that's who he is. All right. Well, I think that that um, is maybe a good place to stop in this lesson or this episode. And yeah, we've seen how God has has uh, set up this idea of authority and uh, set up this uh, this concept, the principle that plays out in family life and in in all of life, really. And so we we submit to His authority, and and I guess we end this episode by uh, coming back to God's grace and coming back to the forgiveness that uh, when we have bucked against that authority. Um, may this story that we've looked at lead us to repentance, lead us mm -hmm. to. Uh, falling on our faces and and seeking his his forgiveness, seeking his mercy, and so, um, amen. Any other closing comments? I think that does well. Remember again, always the law is provided for self examination. So, well, we might under, not understand or maybe think God overreacted mm -hmm. in number sixteen here. The real lesson is how have I acted like this towards God and towards mm -hmm. my neighbors? Yes, I think it also um, reminds us of the great and mighty God, the awesomeness of who God is and the reality that God disciplines those whom he loves. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Please join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the fourth commandment and what the fourth commandment promotes.